I'm really excited about tomorrow's show, Josh. I don't know where we are for an OEC Fiber Football Friday yet, but I know we got a lot of good college football games to preview. In fact, let's start it now. We hit up the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, and we say hello to our man Joey Helmer, OUinsider.com. Uh, I would imagine, Joey, another challenging weekend. How's it going, man? It's going. It's uh, <laughs> it's interesting times right now. Yeah, it's, uh, but it's going. We're, we're making it through. So I, I know that you and I and J- Josh, we don't talk a ton of recruiting. We got Parker coming up at the top of the hour. We got uh, Brandon Drum, who's all over it for you guys at OU Insider. But h- how concerned are you, Joey, over some of the commits and – and whether or not Oklahoma is going to be able to continue to sell them on, hey, we're headed in the right direction. I mean, is is this now that point where fans who are recruiting diehards are starting to concern themselves over the class of 23? Well, I think they probably are, but, I mean, I'll say this. It's been, what, five days since um, the debacle or whatever you want to call it that we saw in <laughs> Dallas and they're holding strong with this class right now. So, to me, that is a very good thing. I think that's, in my opinion, that's about the only way to look at it. I mean, defections would be happening, I think, if there were uh, a cause for concern for some of these guys, and that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Seems as if people like to float rumors out there of defections, but so far, so good. Parker's going to have you covered coming up with Steelman in an hour from now, and obviously at OUinsider.com, they have it covered to the nth degree. In Joey Helmer's estimation, from all of the information that we've taken in this week, right, Roof, uh, Levy, we had the, uh, had the Brent Venables press conference, and you talked to all the players post-practice. Is there any any concern over the buy-in dropping? Is there any concern? Brent Venable seems dead set in his in, in what he believes in. Assistants seem that way, but are you concerned at all, Joey, about the buy-in of the players? This is interesting because it's the three and three football team that I don't think any of us expected was going to be a three and three football team through six games, and yet I don't get the feeling that uh, this team has checked out. I really don't. I. I being around them, I feel like now there may be some individuals that uh, sure. But obviously, look, people are frustrated right now. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just the reality. If this team wasn't frustrated, you'd have an even bigger issue, I think. But um, there, there might be a few that um, kind of have that mindset. But I don't, as as a whole, get that this team isn't ready to move forward, and so. I think if you're looking for positives, that might be one of the biggest ones that uh, you likely can get Dylan Gabriel back this week. I think that works wonders for you offensively. You, even if you put a goose egg up last week, um, I, you have to think that uh, <laughs> that's the low of low points. This offense has talent. They can score points. And so um, I, I just get the feeling that it has to turn this week, though. It absolutely has to. But I don't think this is a team in which the locker room's been lost. I just really don't get that feel. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the overriding concern, right, for most of the fan base. Right now with Joey Helmer, does Dylan Gabriel play on Saturday? 
I, I think he's going to. I, I will see. I, I just thought all of the signs um, last week, him warming up and being able to go through a full workout before the the uh, Red River showdown and then uh, coming and, and talking to us on Monday, I think all the signs are headed in a good direction. Unless he has some kind of setback this week, which I haven't heard of, but uh, today is the day where uh, we'll um, – you know, at least in those walls, they will know if Dylan Gabriel is good to go. Thursday's the cutoff in uh, terms of going through the protocol and everything. And um, I, I just feel like it's trending in that direction. And uh, look, it, it, <laughs> Oklahoma's looking for any positives right now, obviously. And uh, getting your number one signal caller back, man, I mean, that's a, a tremendous shot in the arm after what's happened here the last few weeks. Hey, what? I guess I didn't really notice this on on Saturday, but and and because I mean he was he was there. But is what is going on with Theo Weiss? I mean, Brent Venables kind of made it seem like it's not necessarily an injury situation, but we know he had been dinged a little bit in the game against TCU. Have you been able to get more clarity on on the situation involving Theo? Yeah, and he was. Uh, it's kind of interesting because. Uh, Brent was so short on what that situation was. Uh, I think when you looked at the box, it was like, wait, where, where, where was number 10 at? And so, right. uh, yeah, it's an interesting situation to move um, forward on. We'll see what's going on this week. But I, I, I didn't get – it doesn't sound like it's an injury with him. So that was definitely interesting. And um, he's obviously one of those guys you want to get involved. And in. I think when you look – at Oklahoma offensively, and I mean, with Davis Bevel, they just haven't been able to, to develop any of the throw game. So, uh, getting Gabriel back, obviously, you, you feel like you can get a guy like Theo Weiss involved, and obviously Marvin Mims and uh, stretch the field and things like that. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. If it's a similar situation this week, then uh, it'll be something we'll have to continue to monitor with him. Where are you at with Oklahoma defensively, and what, if any, fixes are there for the Sooners? Oh, where to start? Uh, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> to me, it starts with um, uh, up front. I mean, the first few weeks, this is a, a team that, if you look, they, gosh, they led the country in tackles for loss through the first three right. games of the season, and they have not been getting any pressure on the quarterback since. They haven't been getting in the backfield. The three-man front has not been working for them. Uh, they, they've mixed it, the four and the three-man, and um, I feel like guys like Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs, they were getting after it early in the season, and that's been non-existent the last few weeks. So, uh, to me, it starts there. Obviously, we know this is an Oklahoma team that's, uh, quite depleted at linebacker. Uh, Kip Lewis was supposed to redshirt, and uh, obviously you get the four-game rule, but I don't think that's a guy that they expected really to play in the Texas game. So uh, you got to be better there. And then uh, it's just it's across the board. You talk from a, a schematic standpoint. Uh, I mean, guys have seemed to be out of position. And uh, then the, the game tackling we saw the, the first two or three games hasn't been there. Um, they haven't been fitting things right. They've been taking poor angles. So it's all of those things. And 
and yet I feel like it's so cliche and I almost hate even saying it, but it really is a lot of fixable stuff. It's fundamental things uh, that if Oklahoma can get those down, they could be better, but uh, they have been absolutely porous on defense the last three weeks. There's no other way to put it. So uh, they, they have to get that shored up, frankly, or it's not going to matter if they get things going offensively. A um, couple more, and we'll let you get out of here, Joey. One of those things, and, and you touched on it, to see the diversity position-wise, versatility, I guess, position-wise of Woody Washington, I thought he did some really nice things at safety this past weekend, and he kind of looks that part. But what does it say about the corners in that, you know, they they, they move Woody to, to safety, so you got Jane Davis, they feel pretty good about Kendall Dennis, but then they – According to reports last night from our man Jalen Ross, they're moving DJ Graham to the offensive side of the football. I mean, gosh, it, your two starting corners from last year, one, and, and Woody's still playing a lot of corner, but is playing safety. Your, your other is on the offensive side of the football. What do you feel like the state of Jay Valai's room is right now? Everything's in flux. I mean, clearly it's <laughs> – you... You have a guy moving to, to offense. And DJ Graham, by the way, was a really good wide receiver in high school. So um, yeah. that is going to be interesting to follow. But I, I thought Woody Washington played well at safety last week. I really did. And now I wonder what it means for maybe a guy, say, like Gentry Williams. Are you trying to, to kind of go with some more of that youth movement? Uh, I think all options are on the table at this point. And uh, to me, it's – Gosh, just get your best players. Let's find out who the best 11 guys are, and let's get those 11 guys out there. You know, whether it's a Jaron Kanick at linebacker, I mean, we saw flashes of him. It's been curious to me why he hasn't played more in the last several games here. So um, that's kind of how I chalk it up to, and as well at that cornerback position. And everything is just in flex. But, man, let's get our best guys out there, and let's go. Let's roll with those guys. Finally, non-football. How fun is it to watch this battle series between Oklahoma and Oklahoma? You know, watching it, it will be texting with people during breaks, and it's like, my gosh, that's the Big Ten pitcher of the year squaring off against the uh, the Big 12 newcomer of the year. And, oh, here comes the Pac-12 freshman of the year. I mean, it's it's incredible, the competition that you're seeing. It's phenomenal and yes i'm glad you asked me a softball question i love it i mean it's so much fun to uh just i I almost feel sorry for these pitchers it's funny like there's different ways to look at it but i always kind of find myself thinking of it from a pitcher's view like man i i I gotta face Haley lee i gotta face sydney sanders and kenzie hansen and and it's like there's just really no break, and you're splitting the teams in half, and there's still no break. And so <laughs> it's unbelievable, and it's it's such a – I mean, for anyone that hasn't got out there, there's a couple more weeks of it, I believe. I would certainly urge people to get out there and check this out. It's a fun deal, and I haven't covered a ton of fall softball, but this year I was, I was all aboard. I I felt like I needed to do it, and it has been so much fun. So, yeah, it's quite entertaining, and the competition level is just fantastic. 
You're the man, Joey Helmer. Appreciate your time every single Thursday, and we'll talk to you again soon, man. Have a fun time on game day. Appreciate you guys having me on every Thursday. You guys have a good one today. Money Helmer. Joey Money Helmer. Da man. All right, so the show's pretty much over. You know that, right, Josh? It's over. Because when we come back, it's time for the top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino. At the bottom of the hour is our Thursday worries. Plus, we've got one more check of a very busy Air Comfort Solutions text line. It's coming up right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank, 405-651-3439. That is the best way to get in touch with the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Or you can pick up the phone and call us at 405-329-9000. But as Josh and I just told you before the break, the show's over. So uh, we appreciate you tuning in. But we've, we've got this thing covered from here on out, baby. Let's go. Are you ready to, to do this? You ready to do the Newcastle Casino Top 5 Stories of the Day? Giddy up, let's go. It's time for the Top 5 Stories of the Day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Let's go, indeed. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastlecasino.com, where real gamers come to play. Big story number five. Number five. I don't know how many of you are into the stats of it. Not stats, Kelly, overall stats of it. But the battle series was awesome last night on Hispanic Heritage Night. The Los Campanios, Campeones, beat Los Bombas pretty dominating fashion. 11 to 6 was your final score as the champions beat the bomb. The two things to come away from, real quick, for softball fans. Number one, Powerfully on display. I think you ended up with six home runs between the two teams last night. Five, excuse me. Five home runs between the two teams. Walks were problematic. You had ten walks between the two teams. And uh, it seemed as if the one of the bigger perpetrators on the walk side of things, well, I mean, not one individual, but three walks for Nicole May, and historically, that's kind of where she gets in trouble with free passes. She gave up two of the uh, five home runs that were hit last night. But it was like two different games, Josh. The first three innings, it was one zip. Uh, and there were then ten runs scored between the two teams combined in the fourth. Sixteen total runs scored over the final four innings. And the... Athletes' unlimited point totals are crazy right now. Prediction, Josh. Do you want a prediction? I would love a prediction. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I think Sydney Sanders is going to start. I think she's going to play first base. And I think she's going to have not just an all-conference, but I think she's going to be an All-American. Because... The thing you don't think, well, maybe diehard softball fans think about this, but in Sid Sanders and Haley Lee, and you could 
I mean, I guess there's others from a transfer perspective. You could also throw in this list, like Alina Torres. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if Alina Torres is going to start, man. It's it's a great battle that's going on between her and Brito at third, and and then Torres could probably end up playing in the outfield with the way she hits the ball. But for the sake of this argument, Sanders, Lee, and Torres haven't had this deep of support around them in a batting lineup. And you're going to have to pitch to Cindy Sanders this year. And she's something else. She went two for three last night, a couple of home runs, three runs scored, three runs batted in. She looks really smooth over at first. And she came away last night with a lead in the overall point total. So fun night last night. Tickets available for next Wednesday night. Hope to see you out at the Battle Series, Marita Hines Field. Iron sharpening iron, OU versus OU. Big story number four. Number four. It wasn't iron sharpening iron. It was anger personified at Chavez Ravine. The final call, courtesy of the stupid Padres. Three and two to Will Smith. Here it is. And a swing and a fly ball to right field straight away. Soto had him played perfectly. Backs up a couple of steps and he makes the catch. This ball game is over. An absolute classic between the Padres and the Dodgers in Game 2 of the Division Series. It is won by San Diego 5-3, to three, and this thing is tied 1-1, heading home to Petco Park. Dave Roberts afterwards talked about Clayton Kershaw. You know, I just felt that he just didn't, he wasn't sharp. I thought it was a grind all night for him. Um, missing just a little bit, fastball, uh, the slider. Uh, couldn't have feel for it till. Probably that fourth, fifth inning. And there were some other decent ones before that. 1-1 headed back, or headed to San Diego, which, isn't this the first postseason game in San Diego? Right? Because the Mets were the home team in the three-game set. They advance, and now Petco Park is going to be rocking come Saturday night. Friday night, excuse me. Yeah, it's it's going to be a raucous environment. That was uh, obviously a must win. They had to find a way to get that Fun thing game. done, and uh, obviously they did. And speaking of needing to get a win elsewhere, that win was also picked up. By the Atlanta Braves. Here it comes. And he racks it up the middle. Base hit. Past a diving stunt. Here comes Matt Olson. He'll score. RBI base hit. Travis Darno. Three nothing Braves. Braves win. Braves win. So both of these series, 3 nothing was the final score. Both of these series now shift locations for Friday where the favorites, well, everyone's nodded in 1-1. 7.37 on Friday night, FS1, Petco Park. I don't know if the Dodgers have announced their starter yet, nor the Padres. Uh, Braves, Phillies. No, no, no. They've, they've announced their starters, right? Why is it not popping up here, right? on my schedule page. Anyway, uh, Dodgers used their bullpen in game one, and unfortunately their bullpen failed them in game two. We'll see if the Phillies can continue their magic as Philly is going to be rocking. All right, um, did they already postpone the Yankees game today? Am I seeing that right? Or is that an old note? I'm looking at ESPN's list. I haven't seen anything about it being canceled yet. I know they had some some rain, but they're not they're not postponing that already, are they? You're not seeing that anywhere. Uh, I see what you're looking at. On oh, the- yeah, it is. There it is. There it is. Just released. 
tonight's Yankees-Indians game is postponed due to the forecast of sustained inclement weather and will be made up tomorrow at noon 07. So how about that, Josh? Tomorrow we get a triple header. Yankees-Guardians, followed by Phillies-Braves, followed by Dodgers-Padres. So literally released 12 minutes ago. Pretty ESPN being on top of things on their scoreboard. No kidding. Pretty tasty little Friday slate, and that means that obviously Mariners, Astros, lone billing this afternoon. Big story number three. Number three. Oh, Josh, don't you try to hide your excitement. I see it brewing. You're fired up. You've called all your boys, called friends. You're ready for the Bears and the Commanders tonight on Amazon Prime. Let's go. How? Okay, question. How did things go so wrong for Amazon Prime and its schedule? Their game in week two might have been one of the best games of the year so far, right? That Chiefs-Charger game in Arrowhead was rocking. It was great. Great great debut. In week three, you get an awful mess of a game between the Browns and the Steelers where the final score doesn't indicate just how bad that game was. You came away from a game between the Bengals and the Dolphins where, sure, it was unfortunately the talk of the town with Tua's injury, but, again, that's all the talk was. And now tonight, as a – oh, I forgot, Broncos – oh, no, yeah. As, after dealing with Broncos and Colts last week, which set offensive football back years, now you get the 1-4 and four Commanders versus the 2-3 and three Chicago Bears with an over-under in an NFL game at 38 Josh, the over-under in this game is 38, and I think I feel better about the under. Yeah, I I would feel better about the under as well in this game, absolutely. No, this is uh, bottom of the barrel, though. I mean, this is not very exciting at all. You know, the Colts-Broncos was so bad that it was good. Maybe we'll get some of that tonight, but, you know, part of that, I think, is this expectation that we had coming in, and... Now, I mean, we're, we're getting to the point with Russell Wilson where the realization just has to be setting in. This is not Russell Wilson from four or five seasons ago with Russell Wilson, right? But we, we came into this season again with that expectation that, yeah, you know, some of that bad with the Seahawks is just because the Seahawks offensive line is bad and on and on and on. So there's just this belief that eventually Russell Wilson, we're going to see play like Russell Wilson, right? And as it continues to unfold where it's bad, it's still entertaining television. I don't don't know how I'm going to sell you on Commander's Bears. Good luck. Good luck. Um, Mike McDaniel offered an update on Tua yesterday. There is a definite scenario that he will clear his game. That wouldn't be fair to the player. That wouldn't be fair to the team. I don't feel comfortable um, putting him in that situation. So, in other words, the adapter actually works all show long, and then it stops working when I go back to the audio. So, in other words, Big 12 alum Skylar Thompson 
will get his first NFL start this weekend for the Dolphins. Teddy's whole week is going to be he, he's he's just getting back tomorrow. He he'll be able to do a little bit of football in a limited capacity, and as a result, we'll be moving forward with planning on starting uh, Skylar Thompson this week. Yeah, Skylar bleeping Thompson. How about that? Um, big story number two. Sorry. Number two. It's okay. I forgot how to run. Um, uh, I forgot how to operate this machinery. Well, I, I I did not really give a great lead up into that. I kind of rushed out of it. <laughs> no, it's as simple Sorry. as I had the wrong piece uh, on the board potted up. Big story. Number two. College football. We had a game last night. Louisiana Lafayette picked up the upset win over Marshall. Josh, I was thinking about it as my upset pick. Didn't pull the trigger. Guess what? It hit. Seven and a half point underdog was Louisiana. Uh, the Raging Cajuns get the win. FOMO. So, so one of two things happens to me in the Ref Royal Rumble when something like this takes place. Like one of the games I was thinking of as an upset hits. Either every game I'm thinking of is on fire or that's the only one. There's no in between. Just so you know, I'm taking Navy tomorrow night over SMU to cover. I'm sorry, to pull off the upset. Uh, I'm ta- I-, I wanted to take Hawaii over Nevada, but then I actually thought, you know, let's uh, check some of the numbers on Hawaii. Not good. I wanted to take Tennessee over Alabama. I just couldn't do it. Man, I love the Illinois-Minnesota pick, but I think Drake had taken that, and I'm kind of afraid to pick any game that Drake does, right? Got to fade Drake. But you got a chance at uh, you got a chance at it. Couldn't pull it off. I didn't di- I didn't get it done, Josh. But the raging Cajuns did. So here's what you got tonight: you got Baylor at West Virginia six o'clock on FS1, Temple at UCF also at six o'clock on ESPN. Pretty big game for Baylor, right? West Virginia desperately needs a win. They're zero and two and zero and one at home in Big Twelve play. But if Baylor's truly in that top tier in the Big Twelve or knocking on the door of it, or however you view Dave Aranda's team. Josh, you go on the road and you take care of business. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. You got to win. Got to win this game. I mean, if you're in that tier where you're going to hang around and contend for the conference and potentially defend your Big 12 championship, then, yeah, you don't lose this game on the road. And West Virginia's good. I think they're improved. The whole league is is challenging, but you don't lose this game. You, you go win it because West Virginia's a winless team for a reason. Big story. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right. So big story number one is obviously the continual countdown to Oklahoma and Kansas Saturday morning at 11 a.m. And Josh, big news yesterday, DJ Graham, according to a report from what, what is what does Jalen call his site? Is it Sooner Sports Daily? Oklahoma Day, Oklahoma Sooners Daily? But our buddy Jalen Ross had thrown out a report that DJ Graham was shifting from corner to wide receiver. And many of those who uh, have the contacts to drill and dig have, it seems, confirmed it. Coach is not yet. But you know what will help us out quite a bit, Josh? Pre-game warm-ups on Saturday. And I can't I mean, I don't think Oklahoma's problem is that they don't have depth at a receiver. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine, like, you would immediately go from being someone who has worked every day in the corner room to – 
having picked up enough of the offensive playbook to where that shift you're out there on the other side the next week? Maybe. Maybe so. But I thought that was a fascinating story from last night, right? That would be pretty surprising. I can't imagine in one week's time you'd be able to do that unless you'd already been working both, which there's been no indication that that's been the case. Exactly. So to kick off the Thursday worries on big story number one, presented by Realtor Chris, let's let's dive into Lance Leipold and maybe the biggest worry of all, um, the job that he's done in putting this Kansas program together. And it's been solid after a year and not even a half. So we'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. A lot of good stuff on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, right? It's been a busy day there. It's been good stuff throughout. Good interaction back and forth. Coy writes, the Battle Series is awesome. I went last week and I went yesterday, and it's fun and awesome to watch. You're right, Coy. Uh, for the 918, anyone think BV tells this 23 class the truth about the state of OU football? These kids will come in and get playing time and get this turned around. I don't remember. I don't remember which podcast was having this conversation. But I found it to be fascinating. might have been on one of our shows. How do you handle that? Right? I mean, is if Jeff Levy's having his conversations with Jackson Arnold, do you have to point out that, hey, dude, these receivers are open. Look where these throws are going. Or do you just know that he's a eye-level skilled quarterback who is watching it and sees it with his eyes and realizes, yeah, there's some meat on this bone. I don't know. And then, you know, if you're in that class of 23, I mean, you're like, are they honest with him? I, you would kind of think that these guys would be smart enough to see, not smart enough, I guess, um, tape-wise enough, I guess maybe is a term to use, or football-savvy enough to be able to see it with their own eyes. It's like, ah, it's not that. It's not that that dude's in the wrong place. It's that he, he screwed it up. I, I don't know. Because then you also balance, well, what if things don't go well for this kid? Does he worry about what a coach is saying to the next guy that's coming in? I think you have to trust that they're seeing it, they understand, and believe in your vision. Not that you have to sit there and dog, Josh, what's going on on the field with the current guys until they get their guys in. That, I don't know if that ever works. I would imagine that most recruits are wired that way to say, oh, look at these problems. I can go fix that. Uh, you, sure. you know what I mean? It's put me in there and I can go make a play. So I, I just – I don't even know. You obviously will say that, and I think you're going to sell playing time for sure. I think you sell playing time as an opportunity without making any promises. I wouldn't you know, be making any promises to anybody, but I would certainly be saying, look, we are – I mean, positions are open for business. Right now, which that was the case going into this season, right? That's what we heard dating back to the spring, that nobody's got anything locked down, and we're going to go compete for, right. for these jobs. It didn't take very long, though, you know, after a little bit of the spring for Dylan Gabriel for us to get that recognition and confirmation from Coach Jeff Levy that Dylan Gabriel had locked down his starting job. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of that in the spring, right? And I think that's going to be the case coming out of this year. For the 214. 
Come on, guys. Some of us in the Sooner Nation are always looking for a good fight. Please let us know the fourth point that was being made in the athletic article. You got you to gotta go look. Get your subscription. I ain't fighting with you guys about conference futures. <laughs> not, not, nope, nope, no. Nope. We'll save that for the summer. We'll save that for June and July. Sooner Gary, tiers of the programs and tiers of the fan. Tier one, their fans are in tiers of joy. Tier two, their fans are in tiers of hope. Tier three and four, the fans are in tiers of frustration. Tier five, the tiers are in, the, the fans are in tears because of being repeatedly kicked in the well, I think you guys know where he's going on that. <laughs> well done, Gary. Well done. I don't want to talk about Devontae Adams. From the four oh five. Texas will lose two or three more games. That means eight and four or seven and five. How can they be happy about that? They're not. No, I would agree. If they if that's where they are at the end of this season, I think you're uh I think you're hundred percent right. No, I don't think he gets fired. Uh nine one eight real quick, then I'll get to this Lance Leipold. What if what B V is talking about, quote unquote, they look tired, is what we have been seeing with Tebow always giving the lead up in the second half. This is a practice for me, and I'm not trying to tell you how to feel. I'm just saying this works for me. Any of that frustration that you want to have over how it was done and equating that to the issues of what's going on now it's it's not a good look and and I'm just I'm telling you you can feel that way you, you you might be right but as long as USC is 6 and 0 and rolling it comes across as is like not not you sir personally but I'm just saying it sounds sounds petty right Josh it's like okay well at this point you're talking about some of the issues that a guy who just moved on with a roster that was in worse shape than what you had, and he's got him 6-0, and and you're going to complain about what he was doing. I know. We, we, we can hash through everything, man. We, we can go back and forth on this in the quarterback room, and, and we're all right. But just to me, I think that's that's one of those that's a fascinating conversation, but it's just it usually gets knocked out of the park by the haters. It really, truly does. It, it's, a, it's a challenging look, right? It is. I mean, obviously, again. Tough scene, as Barry would say. <laughs> tough scene. The, the team's got to play better. Uh, you know, the defense particularly has to be light years better, and it's got personnel to where it can play a heck of a lot better than it has. Now, there is, uh, you know, I do think there's a level of curiosity you could have about, you know, how interested was Lincoln Riley not only in the USC gig? I mean, was he interested in the LSU gig? And was there sure. an inkling that he had that kind of he and his staff hadn't done a really, you know, a good enough job building the roster? I mean, did they kind of know what was on the horizon? I, I, I don't know. You know, that's a question that only Lincoln Riley really could probably answer for you. But I will say it would – it sure would have been nice to see Caleb Williams in a Sooner uniform maybe another year. And I like Dylan Gabriel. I do. Um, I think he's really good. 
But, you know, you start thinking about that natural thing is this was a program that was built with 13 kind of being their guy for the next couple of years, and it had been recruited that way too. And here we are. So, yeah, I, I'm not trying to say that I disagree with you or anything of that nature, but I just I think it's a tough look right now. Let USC lose a couple of games and know you win a few games, and we can <laughs> then we can maybe start having that conversation. I, I want to have time to play Lance Leipold when we come back. I want you guys to hear what he has to say about Oklahoma in advance of Saturday's showdown between the Sooners and the Jayhawks. That's next right here on The Ref. Do you know what, Josh? I am happy about one thing. Not a lot of uniform talk today. Proud of us. Proud of us. We avoided any you're racist or you're not racist conversation this morning. Right, right. That's good. It's good. Fun conversation always to have. But I don't care what you wear. Go in the game. Unfortunately, Kansas comes in as a really good football team, and Lance Leipold talked about Oklahoma's troubles and what he's seen so far. You're not inside that. That's I, I still think it's a talented team. You know, no one questioned when they went up to Nebraska and and and, and played really well and got off to a good start. Then, you know, a couple things happen, and you know, uh, you know, K State's good football team. We just said TCU's a really good football team. Texas got their quarterback back in, in a rivalry game and played really well, and in, and they did and their depth and other things have been hit. So, you, you've got to take those all for what they are. I mean, everybody matches up a little differently, and then as you move down the season, you got to see where you're healthy in that because, um, that, you know, staff wise, energy wise. Um, you know they're very multiple in some things. I, but I don't see them having like there's a bunch of mistakes and and different things. So, I, I think it's more of uh, some other teams playing some of their best ball against them as well. And when you're a program like that, and you know, um, you get everybody's best shot. One, he is right on that final point. Josh, your thoughts on Lance Leipold not seeing many mistakes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, Lance pretty nice of him clearly uh, clearly he missed the uh i don't know he missed a lot of the tape oh he must have hopefully oh must have uh shared that responsibility with the rest of the staff well from what i saw i didn't see a lot of mistakes. Me. And again i didn't watch the tape <laughs> here's more <laughs> coach Vanables again he has a great reputation and success as a defensive coordinator and being highly multiple um in and out of Three and four man fronts gives you a bunch of different looks. Does a lot, to, you know. Again, and and to utilize um, the athletes in in their in their program. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it hasn't gone their way of late, but uh, as as we know from last year as well, the first year there's going to be there's going to be times where you're going to have some bumps, and yet. Um, that's too good of a staff, too good of a program, and everything, and a roster that, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a, a big test for us down there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Lance Leipold. How much of a difference to you, Josh Helmer, does it make that it's Jason Bean? Jason Bean at quarterback come Saturday I think I think it's a healthy difference for both teams I do I mean I think it gives Oklahoma a better chance to do some positive things defensively though 
you know, I mean, having said that, similar to last week, until Oklahoma, contrary to what Coach Leipold said right there, until they fix just some of the glaring mistakes that they have defensively, maybe it doesn't matter a ton. On paper, though, it is a difference. It's a downgraded quarterback for Kansas. Bean, though, is clearly a better quarterback than anything Oklahoma's got, and he threw four touchdown passes last week. So he's going to be able to stress him in the quarterback run game some. He can hit, he can hurt him with his arm too. So, yes, it's a step, I think, in the right direction for Oklahoma, but they got to they got to go out and show that they can stop anybody before we can make it a huge, huge deal. I think the bigger thing for Oklahoma is having Dylan Gabriel back. Exactly. Exactly. Get Dylan Gabriel back, and you'll feel much – much better about everything. <laughs> now we'll see. We'll see whether or not we end up in a situation, Josh, where you know when all is said and done, Oklahoma is able to do enough on Saturday, not just to win the game, but in winning the game, kind of getting the fans back. Right? Still going to be a problem. It's not like magically they're. All going to be a hundred percent and feeling great about the way things are going. I think we all, I think we all know that. But I mean, it is. It's been a long week, man. I'm ready for game day. Coming up, Steel Man and Thune at noon. Now we had a lot of we had a lot of questions on exactly what's going on recruiting wise. Parker will be here to answer them all next. Have a great rest of your Thursday. We're on the road for an OEC Fiber Football Friday tomorrow. For Josh, I'm Plank. This is the Home of Sooner Fans.